layoffs, which started last year, by the way, but they are running hot into the year. We've seen countless ones. Universal Music, Google did more, Sirius XM did more, and Pandora. You name it. This is the words from a, Google, a former Google engineer. It's hard for me to believe that after 20 years at Google, I unexpectedly find out about my last day via an email. What a slap in the face. Family, so thankful as always when you show up on these Friday afternoons. Man, it's a little overcast here in the Philadelphia tri-state area. We had a little snow earlier in the week. All that good stuff. I hope that the weather is wonderful wherever you are. And no matter what, we know that Jesus is on the throne. So we are thankful for everything that's going on. Man, I've got some conversation points for you today. And as always, I'm going to start off with a question for you to ponder because we're going to talk about it a bit. How are you guiding the development of your children? How are you guiding the development of your children? We'll talk about that a little bit, particular from the scope of STEM. STEM is such a topic in the field of education, some for it, some against it, some who don't choose a side necessarily, but can stand in the way and delay it. So I just want to offer a few thoughts for you parents that are raising wonderful youth and often ponder education. Hey family, as you travel through this journey called life, I want to make sure you know you don't have to go it alone. Simply text HOLY, H-O-L-Y to 21346. Why would you do that? You may be someone who does not know Jesus Christ for yourself, but you are hearing some things that are piquing your curiosity. Don't let your curiosity sit still. Call and talk to someone. Further, you may be someone who knows the Lord, but you're walking alone through the journey. Man, walk with co-laborers, please. Text HOLY, H-O-L-Y, to 21346. This is the Coiling Solution Show with yours truly, James Rousseau, a.k.a. Trig, right here on Holy Culture Radio. And I asked you at the top of the show, how are you thinking about guiding the development of your children? You know, when it comes to education, many of us have done many different things, whether it was education on the lowest level, right? In grade school, you know, zero through six and going to those good PTA meetings that people used to have, whether it's picking your child up from after school and figuring out the time to help them assist them with their homework. Some of that's the driving the car and answering questions. Some of it's sitting at the kitchen or dining room table. Or whether it's taking them to tutoring, virtually or physically, driving them over to a tutor for help they need in a certain area. It is difficult to not be involved in some aspect of your child's education. And so the question really revolves around not if you're doing something, but how are you guiding that educational journey and what may you need to support to further guide that journey? And so STEM is a topic that has been around for the last couple of years, some pro of it, some who are adverse to it, some who may not necessarily elect a side visibly, but could stand in the way of it. And I do think it's important for us, as always, to be informed, be empowered, be accountable. So I want to bring some information that will help you uh, be informed and empowered so you can be accountable. And so STEM, let me just give some background on STEM if you're not familiar with it. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And here are a few points you should know statistically about STEM. STEM occupations are projected to grow 10.8% between the years of 2021 and 2031. 
equating to over 821,000 jobs. Now, in terms of that growth, 821,000 jobs, total employment is expected to grow 4.7 million. So just think about that. The STEM jobs will be 17% of all employment growth that's projected between 2021 and 2031. And we're already three years into it, right? The average salary for a person in the STEM job, get this, the average salary for a person in the STEM job is $100,000. To be accurate for what they say, $100,200. So just pause on that for a second. We know that's far above the average salary in the country, right? Uh, if I can remember correctly, average salary in the country is closer to 40000 or so. So STEM jobs projected to be, again, the average salary, excuse me, is $100,000. So I thought maybe we should go through five reasons to consider STEM and being a proponent of it. Yes, I am coming across biased for STEM. I admit that. Yes, I'm biased for most things education, quite honestly. Uh, I believe education is the foundation and support of most things that we do. That's why I love the acronym that we use, FAITH, Faith, Arts, Vocation, Education. Why? Because faith, you have to have faith in something. Arts, because we are left brain and right brain people and people who explore their arts also tend to grow more holistically. Uh, vocation because, well, man don't work, man don't eat. And so one must have an area of vocation to earn income, et cetera. And then education, it's last in the acronym, but it's also that, that way on purpose because it's a through line through the first three. You have to continue to be educated in your faith. You have to continue to be educated in your art. You have to continue to be educated in your vocation. So yeah, that acronym just just always speaks to me. Okay, so back to the five things. I want to share five things that I believe will help you be a proponent of STEM or help you think about being a proponent. So, so one, it teaches critical thinking. STEM by its very nature teaches critical thinking. You know, we, most of us grew up in the era of taking multiple choice tests. And so some of that is, well, if I can strike out the things that I know obviously don't work, then I may be able to pick the one that does work. STEM works a little differently by teaching students the process of trial and error. They grow accustomed to looking at a problem from different angles and finding out which solution works best. Critical thinking. I mean, can you really do a good job at underscoring how critical, not no pun intended, critical thinking is, right? To be able to look at things and examine them from different directions and figure out the best option versus looking at a set and trying to deselect, right? Or becoming scared of trial and error. Let's be honest. Sometimes we feel like we are a little bit more sensitive to failure. And trial and error is a natural part of life. No matter how much we see on social media in terms of the victory dances and the, the top of the mountains, the fact is there are tons of valleys we'll go through. Trial and error is a part of life. So having an educational process that teaches trial and error, come on, family, that is invaluable. Number two, it teaches teamwork. You can just stop right there. It teaches teamwork. We're in a day and time where we see more isolation than ever before. We see more, uh, what I would say, promotion of solo victories than ever before. But we also know those of us who've been around for a little bit and worked in different areas, industries, teams, et cetera, that it's the teamwork that makes the dream work. Being a part of a team, leveraging skills, gifts, talents of different members on that team takes you to different places. 
like you say, you know what? You can go fast by yourself, but you go longer when you go with someone else. So those are the first two of the five reasons I believe you may want to be a proponent of STEM. When I come back, I go through the last three. New videos, music, articles, devos, and more. Stay connected. Get the app now so you don't miss a thing. Visit holyculture.net. Hey, family. Welcome back to the show. This is indeed the Cooling Solutions show right here on Holy Culture Radio. And man, this Friday afternoon, I'm enjoying a number of things. One, as always, I'm enjoying being with you. Thank you so much for being here. And by the way, if you want to hit me on socials to join this conversation, simply do it at Holy Culture on any of the socials. I'll be monitoring. I'll be watching. If you want to hit me personally, it's James Rousseau, SR, James Rousseau Sr. on any of the socials. But I'm going to continue this conversation I was having with you about STEM and being a proponent of STEM. Yes, again, I admit my biases. I have a bias for education. I believe it is a change maker and can be. And listen, don't get caught up on what form of education, by the way. There is formal education. There is um, informal education. There's online. There's physical. There are a multitude of ways to learn, but I'm a fan of being a lifetime learner. And so, yes, I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> doing so as well. So I was talking about STEM, and if you're just joining, STEM, again, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And I was talking about the, the importance of being a proponent of STEM for the education of our children. With the question I asked you again at the top, how are you guiding the development of the children? So I've given you two reasons. I want to give you the last three reasons, okay, about STEM. STEM teaches project management. And most of us know project management can be everything in terms of actually getting things done. I often use the phrase of, we have our vision, and then you see your vision, you can imagine standing on one side of a river and looking across the other side of the river and your vision is there. You can see it boldly, big letters illuminating your vision coming to life. To get to your vision, you have to get across that river. And then you look down and notice in the river, there are these boulders that you can skip across and let's call them your goals. And so as you go across each goal, you get closer to the river. However, to do that requires execution and to do execution depending on what it is, often requires good project management. How do you set up the execution path? How do you set up the correct start dates, due dates, level of effort, aligning resources that have the gifts, talent, skills, experiences to complete those different tasks to get through the goals and get to the vision? Well, STEM teaches that. STEM teaches project management. And so what a great skill, again, for our youth to be learning as a part of their junior high school, high school journey. The fourth thing it does is it teaches resilience. Now, come on, somebody, if you're not into resilience, a lot of times we see a lot of folks struggling with, and even ourselves, let's be honest, right? Struggling with coming back off the ropes, so to speak. <laughs> How many of us have watched Rocky? And when he was getting pounded and beat on the ropes, being able to bounce back off the ropes. So pick your favorite boxer. One of mine back in the day was the marvelous Marvin Hagler. Okay. And remember uh, him getting hit, so on and so forth, but coming back off the ropes. That's resilience. Resilience can be built. STEM teaches resilience. And it has to be, I assume, tied to the whole point of number two, excuse me, uh, number one, critical thinking and learning through trial and error trial and error, building up those muscles of not having a string of successes, but dealing with the real variability of valleys, 
and high tops, valleys and mountaintops, valleys and mountaintops. So that's another critical skill. The fifth thing to know is that it integrates well with other disciplines. So think of STEM as being a horizontal that integrates well with everything from uh, emotional intelligence, right? EQ, huge thing. Integrates well with certain functional skills. Want to be an accountant, want to be a teacher, want to be a doctor, want to be, the list goes on. It integrates well with those other disciplines. And so you might be saying these stuff. Okay, Trig, I'll buy in. I'll buy into this thing thing. What should I do? I'm so glad you asked. There's a couple of things. One, integrate some activities into your child's daily life. You want to look for activities, simply go to the CoreLinkSolution.com. That is our company website in addition to Holy Culture. On that site, we provide a lot more tools, blog posts and such for vocation and education, career and education. If you go to the site, you're going to see an article titled, guess what? STEM and some things you can do. In that article, you'll find a link to some activities. Use some of those activities to help your child's development. Secondly, advocate with your school's administration and your local and state representatives. Now, I know this could give you pause. I'm going to say it again. Advocate with your school's administration and your local and state representatives. Avocation with those folks can be as simple as an email, expressing your interest, expressing your concern if you don't feel like that school has integrated enough. And same thing with your local and state representatives saying, hey, where do you stand on this topic? I'd love to hear more about it. And you might even want to visit their website first to see if they already have some statements about STEM. If they don't, you can inquire as to why not. If they do, you can give them a pat on the back and say, thank you for doing that, to let them know where you sit as a citizen who is in the area that they represent. We'll be right back. Back, 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 back. back. With James Rousseau and the Corling Solutions Show. Be sure to follow him and the conversations on Twitter at James Russo Sr. Family, family, welcome back to the show. And if you're just tuning in, I had a conversation with you all about uh, the importance of STEM and education in the first hour. And if you missed it, I implore you to go check the podcast when it publishes next Wednesday morning. Definitely. As always, just jump out there and get the podcast. Please click the subscribe button so you get it each and every week. And all the music's not there, but the conversations that we are having are. And it's important to me that you get the information and, and your feedback's important, by the way. If you have something that I'm talking about that you disagree with, man, please tell me. Additionally, if you have points that you think I missed that are important for people to hear, please tell me and we'll add it to social posts or I'll come back and add an editorial, etc. But the conversation is important. I don't want this to be one way dialogue. I want this to be a conversation. So please let me know what you're thinking. Speaking of conversations, there's one we need to have right now. Um, layoffs are running hot this year. Is Am I the only one noticing this? Fam, are you noticing this? Layoffs, which started last year, by the way, but they are running hot into the year. We've seen countless ones. Universal Music, Google did more, Sirius XM did more, and Pandora, um, you name it. There have been a number of layoffs. And so I'm not sure when they're going to stop. I pray that they slow down soon. I pray that those that are impacted find other employment and or start businesses and or do the things they need to do to financially support their families. But I do want to talk about the leader's role in the layoff. You know, I'm big on leadership. That's always going to be a conversation point on this show. I'm big on leadership. And I want to read something from a recent article that I read. It says, when layoffs happen, 
many former employees are flocking to social media to air their grievances. But Mita Malik, the head of DEI at Carta, says leaders can avoid public shaming by holding in-person, respectful conversations with employees being let go, expressing gratitude for their work and following up with them a few weeks later. If you reach out and they don't respond, give them the space and the time that they may need. Let them make the choice whether to stay in touch or not. And what struck me as I read that is, well, of course, I think sometimes I take for granted the wonderful leaders that I had the opportunity to be mentored by that instill certain habits in me. And I often have to remind myself, don't take that for granted. Don't assume people were exposed to some of the goodness that I was. By the way, I was exposed to some people who I say don't emulate those behaviors, but that's also a thing I try to do. Let me share this with you too. Sorry, I'm going totally off script for a second, but let me share this with you. One of the things I did when I was in corporate America that served me well is I kept a notepad. And today, maybe you would do that on an electronic device, but I think I'd probably still do it on paper because there's something about seeing the visual on a piece of paper. In the back of my note, so I would keep one of those uh, lead books, right? L-E-D, L-E-A-D books. You used to buy a Rite Aid or CVS or whatever. And, you know, I'd have a page for each day, right? And one of my friends also taught me the thing of putting a little box by items you need to uh, complete that come out of a meeting, right? So you have these little boxes you go back to and check the boxes off as you get things done. But in the last page of the book, I would almost keep this ledger. Uh, one page, I would draw a line down the middle of that page. And on the left side, put note. When I, when I saw a moment that I saw someone do something that I wanted to learn how to emulate, I would go to that back of the book and write that down. Usually it was a leader who did something, whether it's how they held a meeting, how they ran an agenda, how they work through decision-making, I would note those things down. But on the right side of the ledger, I would write down things I saw that I said, I do not want to emulate that. I think it's important to take note of both. You will find people you want to emulate and repeat and learn how they did it, but you'll also see some things you go, mm. and sometimes what we can do is go, that was crazy. Uh, that person was you know, ignorant, whatever. The, ah. But take the lesson from it. Write down the lesson from it because that's, that's gold. Knowing what you want to do, knowing what you not want to do are equally important. Okay, so now let me get back to this point around the layoffs. Layoffs are running hot. And what I love about what that person said was, again, how to treat people in layoffs. Layoffs are going to happen. And if you're in a management, leadership, et cetera, it's going to happen. And by the way, when I say leadership, I hope that you never make this line in the sand of whether you're C-suite or not, whether you're a VP or not. If you have been privileged to lead people directly or indirectly, you are my friend in leadership. You have people looking at you expecting direction. You have people looking at you hoping to grow into the seat that you're sitting in one day. And so you have a different level of responsibility. And so as a leader, there are three things to not do in layoff situations that are helpful as well. Just like I said, know what to do, know what not to do. So, so what to do, bring people into a room, give them a conversation, tell them you care about them, express your gratitude, follow up with them, give them the space that they need doing that follow-up and that rhythm and whether they respond to you or not, but be there for them, okay? Three things to not do. One, layoffs by email. And I'm gonna read some quotes of what some people said as these different things happen. Layoff by email. This is the words from a, a former Google engineer. It's hard for me to believe that after 20 years at Google, I unexpectedly find out about my last day via an email. What a slap in the face. And think about that for a moment. You've been working alongside people for 20 years, going through 
many a situation. We all know that when we work for people for a long period of time, man, we go through celebrations, but we go through grinding. We go through grief. We go through times we feel like we got to be back to back in the square circle fighting off the world. And we do all this together and management comes and applauds at times. Sometimes management comes and pushes us on the back. Got to do more. Got to grow harder. Um, disappointments, devastation at times, but again, hilltops and mountains. And after all that, to find out via an email, your days here are over. Just think about that gut punch. And just like he said, after 20 years to find out via email, what a slap in the face. So never, 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 never email. No matter how uncomfortable you know the physical face-to-face meeting is going to be, physical or virtual, I get that sometimes you're states away from people, so it may have to be via Zoom, et cetera, but people deserve a conversation. Two, don't make it all about you. Here's what this person said. I found myself devastated while trying to process what was happening, but felt forced to comfort her in the moment. I had to put her own comfort before my own. So, This manager, he said, expressed, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this is happening. I feel awful. I didn't make the decision, so on and so forth. The person on the other side receiving this needs to grieve themselves. Like, they need to feel in process. Like, imagine that you walk in today. You think today's a good day like any other. You got your tasks together and what you're going to do. And then somebody says to you, it's over. Just think about how they need to process that. Think about how you would need to process that. It is over in their mind. Wait a minute. I have no job to come to tomorrow. I have no paycheck coming. Well, the bills won't stop coming because there's no paycheck coming. I've got to tell my significant other. I got rent, groceries, gas, children's expenses, parents I may be helping take care of. Da 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 da. Your grief and how you are feeling as the leader who has to deliver this message should not have to be on their list of concerns. It's all about them at that moment. Enough said. Thirdly, and I think this is a big one, ghosting someone who has been laid off. And this person, I quote, when I experienced a layoff, there was a mix of emotions I struggle with. Anger, sadness, shame, shock, and embarrassment. One of the most painful things I experienced was former bosses and employees distancing themselves from me. In some cases, individuals I was once close to completely ghosted me and others heavily distanced themselves from me as if I was now contagious. Family, let's be human. Let's be human. And leader, you can set the tone for everyone around. Let's be human. Care on them. Love on them. This is a horrible time for them. Think about the people you've consoled and such when they had a death in the family. Consider the same way. For them, they feel like it could be the death of their career. So consider it the same way, the same way you loved on them. Anything I can do for you, anything that you need. Hey, just so you know, I'm in ear if you need to talk. The reach out you would have done in a bereavement of a lost life in that, on that person's side is the same thing you need to do in the case where, again, they feel like it's the death of their job and or career family. Hey, lead courageously you can do it holy culture radio is operated by the core link solution a 501c ministry dedicated to empowering people to reach their potential if you feel led to contribute to this mission visit www.holyculture.net slash donations 
Hey, family, welcome back to the show. Man, we've, we've talked about a lot today, and I thank you guys for being here. By the way, if you want to join the conversation, simply hit me up on all socials at Holy Culture or at James Rousseau Sr. James Rousseau SR to be specific. Um, and I'll uh, be looking out for your input, your feedback, your discussion points, things you want to add to what I've said. I welcome all of it. One of the things that is so challenging to manage is your online presence. Would you agree with that? I think it is difficult to manage. And for you who may be growing in your career, moving to a different level in your career, making a change in your career, your online presence could be a make or break moment for you. Have you ever thought about it that way? I think you should think about it that way. It could be a make or break moment. And I'll start with the first reason I say that is because there are no two yous. There's a side of you that will inevitably say, I am a professional. This is what I do. I show up well when I'm called to work, etc." And believe me, that is me. That's the you that you write on the resume, the jobs you've had, the times you were at those different companies, the accomplishments you had in that job. And so you want an employer or prospective employer to believe that is the you that you're going to get. When you are hired, that's what you want people to believe. And it's reasonable to want that. The challenge with that is there are no Clark Kent and Superman moments in the professional workplace. In other words, you don't get to have two you's. You don't get to have a you that is you before you put the cape on and go to the phone booth. And then the you after you transform in a phone booth and leap tall buildings in a single bound. It doesn't work that way employers, prospective employers, your prospective hiring manager, et cetera, are going to check out your online profile and find out who you are and determine that's who you are from the professional profile. So let's start there. If not, if you take nothing else away from this, take away that how you manage your online persona, the posts, the comments, the uh, commentary, the trolling, anything you do, is subject to review by someone you may want to hire you. Subject to review and their interpretation before they hire you. So here are a couple of the points that may uh, help you. Define your goals. Point two, define your goals. What are you trying to achieve online? Do you want to track potential employers, clients, partners, collaborators? Do you want to establish yourself as an authority in a certain area? A thought leader, a creative innovator, do you want to share insights, opinions, or stories? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Because depending on your goals and audience, you have to tailor your content tone and style to match up with your goals. So be intentional. What are your goals from the onset? Third point, make yourself easy to find for the target audience. It sounds obvious, but it can get lost on us. We are in an age where algorithms are working rapidly, incessantly. Is that a word? Incessantly? I think so. Constantly to get the right content to the right people so they stay longer, so they can sell advertising and make money. That is what social media platforms do all day. They're not there for our good graces. Let's be clear. The model is we contribute user-generated content they want to make sure that user-generated content makes people stay longer on the platform. The longer people stay, the more advertisements they can put in front of those people. Thus, sell those advertisements to people who want to advertise, and they get the money from that. 
That's the game. And so if you want to be a part of the game, you need to make sure that you're easy to find for that target audience within your goals that I just talked about. And so, again, if your whole thing is the painting industry and you want to tell painters how to paint new painters, how to come into painting professional painters, how to find the right vendors and tools and such. You have to use hashtags and things that line up with that, such as hashtag painting. I don't know. Hashtag painting tools. Hashtag painting community. Hashtag burr paint. I think burr is one of the most popular paints ever. But you you get my point. Based on who you want to reach and what the topic is, you have to line up your hashtags, your keywords and categories with that niche and that industry. Point four, be visually appealing and relevant. So one of the things about user-generated content and your profile and all those different things is you don't have to create everything. You can find other things that make sense and reshare them, reshare them with what a lot of folks call a reaction video, right? What, why is this worth sharing from your perspective and maybe a video that go, goes alongside it or heavy commentary that goes alongside it, but make sure it's appealing. Make sure your page on whatever pro, uh, platforms you choose to use have the aesthetic that you want it to have that goes along with that industry. So again, if I'm sticking with the painting example, and maybe you're into children's paints, your aesthetic may be symbolic of a classroom with paint splashes on the board and things like that. Then when people come to your page, they are immediately hit with a sense of, ooh, this feels warm. This feels uh, child-oriented. Etc. Right. Uh, if it's professional painting, maybe it feels different. It's very crisp, a lot of vibrant colors, a lot of different moods and whatnot that show the, the 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 range of painting possibilities and what a professional might do. Number five, brag just a little. <laughs> okay, you 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 do need to brag just a little. Showcase what you've done. Showcase your skills. Showcase your achievements. Showcase recent events and such you've been a part of that shows you're active in that community. And the last tip, and this one again should be obvious, but what can happen is we get into a rhythm of producing and publishing and we forget to engage. By all means, be social. It's social media. Be social. Social is not just a one-way publishing out. It is also engaging with. So as people come like, comment on your page, say something back to them. By the way, as you have the hashtags and categories that you've researched and uh, begin to use in your post, go to other people who share the hashtag, go to their pages, like some of their things, comment on some of the th those things, be a part of the community. One of the things that's easy for all of us to do, and I know I've gotten caught in this trap sometime, is to watch, look at growth numbers of followers, as opposed to think about the value of death of relationship and engaging with people. So family, I implore you, please, if nothing else, like I said, there are no two yous, family. Make sure your online presence matches up with how you want to be perceived by would-be employers, etc. We'll be right back. Back, 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 back. With James Rousseau and the Corling Solutions Show. Yeah! Go! Be sure to follow him and the conversations on Twitter at James Russo Sr. Oh, yes, we are listening. I love when you guys comment and give us some feedback on social media, et cetera. And one, one of the topics that has had massive feedback is um, from uh, Mia Evans's and Ace Harris's discussion on some of those childhood behaviors that we learned that we're still grappling with. Uh, they had a really good conversation. And Mia was talking about 
how on um she still struggles with just resting and relaxing sometimes on the weekends, having grown up in a house where you were told to do something uh, on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, whatever the case may be after, and even after church, whatever the case may be. And I appreciate all the commentary and it to me thematically just showed how many of us decades later are still grappling with how to rest and relax. Now, as I thought about this and looked at some of the comments, I think there's some positive things about this and some challenging things about this. So the positive thing to me about this is for many of us that helped plant a good work ethic, understanding and having our parents push us to be productive at times, maybe where we didn't want to be productive, that push, that gentle push, or sometimes a hard push. You know, for me, I remember watching my mom and father on Saturday be like a day of cleaning. My dad would pull out that Kirby vacuum. I'd learn how to vacuum. I, re- I remember even, and I don't know if he made me do this or I just started doing it. Like we have one of those carpets where depending on how you push the carpet, it looks slightly different in color. So I would vacuum the room and then go back and sweep the carpet to one direction to make sure it all looked one color. So I don't know if he did that or I just enjoyed doing that. But nevertheless, years later, I, you know, vacuum was the thing. My mom um, was, you know, they, I mean, they would vacuum, dust the walls, wipe down the baseboards, um, do laundry, do everything. And I remember even during the week, even after my mother and father uh, got divorced. So my mom came home during a week and the kitchen wasn't clean. You are getting out of the bed to clean the kitchen. Again, I don't know if those were necessarily bad things. I think they instilled in me some habits that um, helped with my work ethic. Now, I am still a person to this day that struggles with going to bed <laughs> with the kitchen not being clean to my wife's dismay sometime, right? Um, thank God that uh, my wife is who she is. Praise the Lord. When the when 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 the Lord gives you a mate, I'm telling you, praise the Lord. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's still some good things. Now, the challenging thing can become if it again takes away our ability to rest and relax. We need times of rest and relaxation. The Lord Himself modeled that for us that He rested on the seventh day, and so we we absolutely have to figure out how to let both coexist a good work ethic and the ability to rest and relax. So I just encourage you as you're engaging with that post, some people have said, Oh, I am finally getting over it. I've, I've actually sent replies back, not just for me, but for the benefit of all of us. How have you gotten over it? How have you gotten to that place of balance? Cause that's important. The next thing you guys are talking about is uh, the 30 days of prayer. Thank you so much for being engaged in the 30 days of prayer. If you don't know, now, you know, B plus ignited that last year with days of prayer for those in the uh, Christian hip hop community, be it artists, influencers, managers, promoters, label owners, you name it, picking some people just to pray for them going through a journey in a genre such as this. And let's just call it a sub genre or maybe a sub sub genre, whatever you want to call it. It is a journey breaking through things that are um, an evolving industry and such and takes a lot of resilience, a lot of work and whatnot. We need to hold up people in prayer regularly, but having this time to further promote that we need to do that is wonderful. So thank you for engaging. The third thing you're not talking about yet, but I think you should be paying attention to it is we launched a new show on Thursday nights at eight o'clock called the Man Up Club Presents. And uh, Cross 
is leading that with some young men that come out of the Man Up Club mentoring program, a great program in Minnesota that is seeking to go nationwide soon. And I think it's great to hear from the mouths of our youth who've been through challenging situations, are either coming close to overcoming it or have overcome it, and them sharing back the realities of their world, their space, what they deal with as young people. I'm going to tell you to tune into this. It's important to hear from them. That's Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Where else? Right here on Holy Culture Radio. Hey, listen, as always, if you want to know what events are going down in your area, it's holyculture.net forward slash events. Artists, yes, submissions always open, holyculture.net forward slash uh, submissions and donations, man, please. We are a 501c3 ministry. If you think what we're doing adds value, no donation is too small. Holyculture.net forward slash donations. Until next time, be informed, be empowered, be accountable, and keep it locked. informed, empowered, and can now be accountable. What were some of your takeaways from this episode? I always enjoy hearing from you, so please share. Additionally, if you have questions, here's some things that are new to you or need some clarity on some of those things, I am here to serve. Go to our website at thecorlingsolution.com slash podcast. Right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. Tell me about some of your takeaways from the episode. You can ask your questions. You can mention challenges in the areas that we cover or tell me about guests you'd love to hear from. Alternatively, you can do the same through social media channels of Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Thank you as always for linking up and I look forward to seeing you next episode.